0: You're listening to the Winner Hughes Podcast with Joe and Eric Hughes. And now, here's the Hughes Brothers. Welcome in to the Winner Hughes Podcast as we are ready for another week talking A's baseball. Unfortunately, not a lot of great things to talk about for the A's as far as the team goes. There are some cool things going on with some of the players, but... It has not been a pretty start to the season, as I'm joined by my co-host Eric Hughes here on the Winter Hughes Podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And Rick, we've got a couple weeks of baseball in right now. We've got a little bit of a larger sample size, still early on in the season, but it hasn't been pretty for the Oakland A's. Wins have been hard to come by. Uh, The team has struggled a lot, which was expected, but maybe not to this kind of degree, just kind of overall, what is your general impression to the A's start of the season?
1: You know, they had a really good series against the Guardians, and you know, a roll of the dice, and that could have gone another way with an Ace sweep. Um, you know, it also could have gone with a Guardian sweep. So that was some good baseball, though, some really close games, fun to watch. Great to see that walk off. Uh, and then a little unlucky to come out of that one and two. That was uh, I guess the silver lining it was good to see some offense in the first game of that Tampa series, but clearly not enough uh, when you're giving up so much more runs to the opposition. So a little bit of silver lining, but uh yeah, the record leaves a lot to be desired what what are you seeing? Yeah, I agree with the idea that there's some silver lining, but
0: I see that more in some of the individual performances, some of the way that some of those guys have performed. And we'll talk a little bit more about them later on. Like Ryan Noda is a guy. Uh, Ruiz has done well and shown a lot of flashes. Kyle Moeller has looked really good. And so we'll get into some of those things. I, I just wanted to start talking about some trends that are kind of concerning with what's going on with these offense and their pitching staff. Uh, the first one, the starting pitching. On Saturday, we got our second chance to see Shintaro Fujinami pitch. And it was a little bit of the same story as we saw from that first outing is he started really well. Uh, And when he's on, I mean, he looks like an ace, you know, he's carving through the lineup, but getting through the lineup the second time, when it gets bad, it gets bad very fast. It looks really ugly. I mean, it all went pear-shaped for him. He got a little deeper into the game in his second outing. But once it unraveled for him again, it was walks, Uh, he had a hit by a pitch, and once it unraveled, he wasn't able to kind of like limit the damage, just get through the inning, you know, allow a run or two and just move on to the next thing. It's just once he loses it, it just, it's gone.
1: So I think one of the things I heard today was for the last five years, he has been a reliever. And so I think he's being asked to do a lot more innings than what he's been doing. I know there's been a lot of adjustments as he's coming to the league. That was one of the things I wondered on the last podcast. Would it be better suited for him to be a reliever and coming out of the bullpen? He's got a 10-year career going so far, but I'm pretty sure what I heard today was he had been a reliever for the last five years. And clearly he he's not really going the distance with his starts and two starts. Gonna be an interesting situation for the A's to figure out because
0: you're right, he has mostly worked as a reliever. Uh he was making starts and kind of trying to stretch his his arm out a little bit because he wants to be a starting pitcher, which is part of the reason that he came to the A's, is that they guaranteed him a starting spot, which is how they were able to land uh a, a pitcher of his caliber in the first place and that he was interested in coming to Oakland. But You're right, because at some point they have to figure out what's best for the team versus what's best for Fuji. And it's going to be kind of a delicate line for them to watch before you get too reactive early in the season, but you can't have him go out there and just do four innings every single time just because he wants to be a starting pitcher. He has shown both things, right? Like he he limited hits. He can get strikeouts when he's on. And when he's off, it's a lot of walks, it falls apart really fast, and I just had this nugget as I was like looking through the stat pack. Right now, through the first eight games of the season, the A's bullpen has covered more innings than their starting pitching, and that is not a good trend. The A's have the worst ERA among starters in baseball through the first eight games of the season, and it's just over nine and a half, an ERA of nine and a half, not going to get it done, and... He's an, he's an interesting situation because we did see a change the rotation because he's only pitching on Saturday as they want to give him that extra rest right now. And that meant that Ken Waldachuk, who pitched uh after him after the first start, pitched in front of him uh before this last turn to the rotation. So it does have some moving pieces for the A's rotation. And if they're not getting the results... That's a bit of a problem, and we saw that with the back-to-back games where Ken Waldachuk struggled to get deep into the game. Then you back that up with Fuji not being able to get deep
1: into the game, and there's only so many innings you can ask Adam Aller to eat for you. You know, I'm not sure that we've seen the complete effect of these rule changes, and knowing that guys are trying to take advantage of the pitchers when they're kind of on the ropes and they don't have those scenarios to get a little breathing room, I think it makes the managers kind of feel like, okay, we got to get our guy out of there before it gets bad. And we've been seeing that unfortunately with the A's because we haven't had our starters going very deep and we haven't had too many opportunities where we've been on the other end of that. We did in that guardians game when we got, um it, I think it was the first game when we got their guy out of there before two innings. So and, and that one we didn't even come off to, to get the win, but it just kind of shows the, the damage that it does, just not to the psyche of the, the pitcher and the catcher while they're trying to control that game. But then as you can see with the A's, they're getting these huge uphill battles and they're just not able to come out there and, and fight back. It seems kind of concerning watching how perfect
0: the A's have to play to get a win and they're not a good enough team right now to have that kind of margin of error, and they have a lot of errors, <laughs> and uh, both literally and figuratively, and it, they just don't do enough well to compensate for where they're lacking right now. They have a young pitching staff, not a lot of experience uh, while they're waiting for Paul Blackburn to return from the injured list. I know he made a spot start in Stockton. He's got another minor league start with uh, Las Vegas coming up this week as they're trying to get him back in the rotation, but There's not maybe a set guy in there that you think, okay, well, you know, we can eat these short starts for a little while because somebody's going to carry the inning load for us. And right now they've been relying on a rookie to do that. And it's been Kyle Moeller who's done a very good job. He's had a really strong start to the season and really rewarded the A's for giving him that opening day honor. But other than that, there's not a lot of guys that are going to just, you can count on that this is going to be a solid six every single time I go out there and the A's, You know, like, they're losing these games early, where it just feels almost defeated. Now, to their credit, they're not giving up. They are hanging around. We saw that. We went to the game on Wednesday that day. Uh, It was Wednesday or Thursday, that day game at the Coliseum. And, you know, that game looked like it was completely over and lost. And the A's had no offense going until late. Then Ryan Noda hits a home run. Jesus Aguilar has the bat of the year just fouling off pitches. And gets the A's back into it with one swing, and if it wasn't for a defensive play by Miles Strahl to Rob Seth Brown, you're right, we might have been talking about an A's win, but, you know, they do have a lot of comeback. They're not giving up on it, but how long can that last before you just get defeated? You know, every time, if you're going out there and you're down six runs by the third
1: inning... You know, that's just got to wear on you at some point. The feeling that I get is because, like you said, like how perfect they need to play to get these wins. And they have got their backs against the ropes and they're punching and they're punching. But just the momentum feels like if if that inning where they're building that momentum gets shut down, that's it. They're, that's the all the fight that they got left in them. Both times it went to extras, you saw the guardians, uh, coming out and coming out firing in extras. And it just seems like it took everything that they had in them just to get to extras. And the wind was out of the sails that, uh, that straw catch that, um, you know, uh, denied Brownie at the very least an extra base hit. If it wasn't going over, it just the whole stadium, you, you could feel just the wind come out of the sails. Everyone was up for that three-run blast and really stoked, kind of seemed like we could put the fight into it. And then, yeah, making that catch, it just took all the wind out of the sails, and it it seemed like, hey, our fighter's done throwing the towel. Just looking it up right now, because the A's led spring
0: training in walks, and they were kind of hoping to hang their hat on being able to get guys on base, not necessarily with a hit, but if you get on base with a walk, hit by pitch, you know, the Mark Hanna special... You know, how are they going to be able to take advantage of those new rules and the speed and put that pressure on the other team's starting pitcher or the relievers? And right now, it's not too bad, but they're 19th or, uh, through Saturday. They're tied uh, 19th in walks. They don't have a great on-base percentage. We're starting to see some guys maybe heat up a little bit that have had a cold start. Like Shea Langoliers had his first homer, a mammoth shot, you know, 4 for mm-hmm. But, you know, that's a guy that they're hoping to really, like, help spark the offense a little bit. Cold star for him. We have seen some life from some individual performers that are kind of giving you some optimism that if they can start to turn this around, it's going to be building on some of those individual performances. And I think the guy that really was the star of the week was Ryan Noda. You're absolutely right.
1: To get his first hits and then uh, to get a couple of bombs as well. But what I think has most shocked me about Noda is his speed, getting from first to third, getting from second to home. And you look at him, and he looks kind of like a big boy, you know? And uh, Aguilar is kind of a big boy, and he was going second to home, and it was like as soon as he left third, it was like, why? Why did you—it would have to be a terrible throw, good throw. He He was out. For Noda, you know, he looks like he's going to be a little faster than Aguilar, but a few of the ones that I've seen him go on, I've kind of been like, oh no, he, he's going to get punched out. And he's in there clean, so I, I've really been impressed by his speed. They're a big team.
0: You just look at him like Seth Brown is a big guy, Aguilar's a big guy, is a big guy, and with the exception of Aguilar, if I put him in that same category, those big guys got some wheels, man. Like, you're right, is fast, Seth Brown is deceivingly quick, you know, and the, but the Aguilar getting thrown out of the game on Saturday, hey, not his fault, he did what the third base coach did, so the A's do have a little bit of a windmill problem, because we saw it the game before, when Ramon got thrown out, mm-hmm. and not close either, yeah, that wasn't close, and you look at Aguilar, he's just hitting the bag as the fielder is coming up with the ball in shallow outfield. It didn't go right. They were gonna to have to fail to execute for him to be safe because he was out
1: by a mile. Like they probably could have got him at third, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> trying to go back. Somebody was like, "Whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah." That that was too bad. And then you know, unfortunately, this goes back to this uh, this streak that they've been going on. But they have been just giving up bombs, and I know Tampa Bay's been hitting a lot of homers. I think they're leading the league. I forget how many they even said that they have. But they are just crushing these balls. And so, even if we are getting those walks, and we want to make those walks count, knowing that we've got some speed, some deceptive speed on the base path, you're not going to beat a team that is just crushing home runs like a homer
0: for each one of your walks. The A's have eight home runs this season through Saturday. That's 21st in the league. The Rays have 21 <laughs> and no reason then that they've been off to that incredible start but it, it is something that that is concerning is how the A's offense is like come together but I, I did see something that I liked is that Mark Kotze hasn't been as rigid with how he puts his lineup together now they have a plan there's a different lineup versus lefties and righties and that's pretty common but he moved Ryan Noda up from the bottom of the lineup to hitting second because The A's need some offense. There's a lot of guys that have been cold, including some of those veterans that they were hoping to help kind of stabilize things like, you know, Jace Peterson and and Oletmus Diaz have been a little cold to start this season. They have had some productive at-bats, but, you know, Mark Kotze didn't wait around and say, you know what, I got to give those veterans a chance to get through this. No, I'm going to put Ryan Noda up in the two-hole because I need to get something going. And last year, different lineup, but he stacked all his veterans together. And then you'd have all the young guys at the end. So if those guys didn't do it, you you were in for four or five, you know, kind of bad at bats and the A's would just kind of get turned over. Right now, I think he's more looking at it like regardless of your status, if you're hitting, I'm going to try to bunch you together and we're going to try to get that pack to generate some offense and hope we find some, you know, something else along the way. Well, credit to Katsai
1: for, you know, not just sticking with uh, the way that he's used to doing things and, and looking for solutions because the offense has been uh, lacking. And it's been unfortunate to see the offense pick up a little bit and start getting some runs, but then the defense and the pitching just giving up so much. And But there's been a lot of errors over at second base, over at right field, and those have, those have been plays that even before... The shift rules, like those should be outs, right? And now with the shift rules gone, some of these are ones that you would expect to be an out because you're used to seeing it get picked up in the shift, and the shift's not there anymore, but you're seeing them go under guy's glove. And I know they're they're probably getting some bounces because they're not out there missing them on purpose, but there's some that you're definitely expecting them to make and they're getting chalked up errors for. Yeah, we've talked about this a little
0: bit. Second base is a way more important position this season because of the lack of shifting. Uh, We've seen teams try to experiment with how they're going to cover that ground because that hole at second base is back. It exists again. It it was gone for a long time, and I saw early on the actual trend has been helping right-handed hitters more than left-handed hitters, which is it's still early that'll probably balance out because the expectation was left-handed hitters like Seth Brown were going to be the kind of guys that you were thinking, "Oh, this is somebody that's going to take advantage of these new rules." So far, it's swung towards the righties having advantages poking the ball the other way a little bit, but you know, we'll see how that develops, but it is interesting to see how they're going to cover these uh these positions and I wonder at some point if you know, they start looking at maybe getting Nick Allen over there at second base every once in a while when he's not playing shortstop, because I know they want to develop him. They want to see if his bat can catch up to where his glove is. He's got great defensive ability. He's, he's speedy. He's quick. And, you know, they want him at shortstop because that's, you know, another premier defensive position. But if they start feeling
1: like, hey, we need to start shoring this thing up but maybe he starts seeing some innings over there nice to know that it's not just an A's problem it is something that we've noticed because we're watching the A's games but I read an article on MLB.com that was saying just the overall batting average for balls in play has an increase from around the league so I think it's something like everyone is noticing and exploiting something that you've mentioned here. You know, second base is going to be more important, and we're definitely seeing that, even on balls hit right back up the middle. So it's been interesting. Nick Allen moving over to second base, I think, could be a good shout out. He's, uh, he's got a good glove over there. Um, you know, I-, I love having Tony Kemp in the lineup, and let's be honest, without him, the A's probably don't have any wins. Yeah, that's that's
0: true. I, I think if you didn't make that move, you would still keep Kemp in the lineup, but you'd have to figure out how you're going to position the outfield. And that's kind of something that they're they're figuring out right now. Uh, with Ruiz in there every day, Ramon and Seth Brown is kind of your primary guys. It is kind of tough because whose bat do you want to take out unless you were going to maybe have a day off for Aguilar and you know he's going to be on the bench and you can move Seth Brown to first or DH him and get Tony Kemp in the outfield and maybe have Nick Allen playing second. But they're... There's a lot of flexibility. We've talked about that before on the podcast. This A's lineup has a lot of flexibility about where guys can play and move. I think early on, they're trying to get some things settled, see where we are, you know, see when guys get settled into their roles, what kind of uh, of lineup that you're going to have to be able to run out there every day. But, you know, you got a guy like Ryan Nota. we keep coming back to it. He is making it easy for Mark Kotze to fill out the lineup card because He's just giving him reason after reason to put his name in the lineup the next day. And that's what you got to do when you get that opportunity is don't give him a reason to take you out. And we've seen that from Noda, I think, has been the big star this week. The other guy that I'm looking for as a silver lining as we're waiting for the A's kind of to gel and put it all together is Ruiz. Estuary Ruiz has gotten on base in the first eight games. The only guy in the lineup to get on base in every game He got his first steal of the year, which was a little surprising given how often he's been on base. We've seen his speed, uh, you know, play a factor in the outfield. We've also seen it on the base pass when he's, you know, basically catching up to anybody who's... uh, If he's on first and someone's on third, he'll be tagging him in the back by the time they're both catching home. And, you know, I think that's another one of those things that in a season where the A's aren't expected to have a lot of wins... I'm looking for those individual performances that the A's will ultimately fill in from some of the guys in the minor leagues that have high ceilings to kind of really
1: fill out what this team is going to be in two, three years. He's been great. He's gotten a couple of big hits, too, especially in those A's wins and definitely been a contributor to those wins, too. So he's definitely been a silver lining. Noda, like you mentioned, Langoliers, uh you know he he's just doing all right i I think I, I had higher expectations for him I think than what what I was seeing uh so far I know that he's young too you know so that's part of it there's been some silver lining moeller has been great uh the surprise I know that was one of the things we talked about in the first podcast the rookie pitcher coming up you're kind of putting a lot on his shoulders and he's been able to step up and handle that expectation. So he's been the shining light, uh, in the pitching, uh, aspect of it. And so, uh, hopefully we can get some of these other guys going and hopefully we can chalk up some more wins, but we are going to need that bullpen to, uh, you know, well, they might just need a break, you know, that, that could be it already. I mean, they're going to have to carry a lot of this load. and We, we saw uh, Adam Aller had a
0: pretty good outing when he came in for K- Ken Waldachuk in relief. I think there were some high expectations, like you said, for Langoliers and even Ken Waldachuk based on the way that they finished last season and that they looked really sharp. They looked like they'd kind of figured it out. It's it's still really early. You know, we're just, we're not even 10 games into the season yet. So th- there's still a lot of time for them to kind of get back into it. But you're looking at these ERAs right now for the A starters. Ken Waldachuk, two starts. 14.54 ERA. Shintaro Fujinami, 17.55 ERA. And there's a lot of innings that these bullpen guys are going to have to cover because you're going to need Adam Aller and Adrian Martinez. And right now, J.P. Sears is in the starting rotation, but maybe he's one of those swing guys moving out to the bullpen at some point where you're going to have to see the A's try to cover some of these games a little bit in tandem the way the A's did when they first called up Jesus Lazardo. And he would come in after Shaw Mania, like Mania would go the first five, six innings, then they'd bring in Luzardo uh, for like three, four innings to just kind of get his feet wet, that maybe you're going to kind of see that kind of tandem rotation start so that if it is a Ken Chuck day, it's also an Adam Aller day. You know, if it is a Fuji day, expect it to also be an Adrian Martinez day, something like that. See,
1: I don't wonder if Fuji should be that guy, considering that he already has the experience of relief, he wants to build up to that starter Uh, i know he wants to be an a starter i want to be an a starter that doesn't mean that i'm fit for the job and so uh you know i i don't wonder if that wouldn't be the good spot for him to go in also considering that i think we're looking at managers seeing pitchers go against the ropes and not wanting to have a, a fuji reenactment where all of a sudden we can't get out of it and there's 11 runs in one inning so i do think that we are seeing the starters not really getting those chances to get out of trouble where they, they would, you know, just because the games have changed a little bit. And so I, that's where I'm thinking that could be a good spot for Fuji to go and get a few innings. And um, he'll still be seeing the guys the first time through, but now he's already in the fourth or fifth inning instead of uh, seeing them the second time through in the fourth or fifth or, you know, unfortunately, maybe even the third. Hopefully that doesn't happen again.
0: I think they're going to give him a couple more starts before they even start really seriously considering that. You know, they just want to give him an opportunity to to build into this, and we have seen the potential. We see why they want to give him that opportunity, and you see that in the first, you know, two innings when his first start against the Angels. You saw that in the first, you know, three innings against the Rays where he looked
1: fabulous, but then it it gets bad fast. Well, even on Saturday's game, he pitched one that was fouled off. It hit the umpire. And they were checking the umpire for a little bit, and he was able to get out of that inning, but he looked effectively wild, where Langoliers had set up somewhere, and the pitch was nowhere near the target, but the guy's still swinging and missing. And there was one, he, he punched the guy out, and like it came all the way inside, the guy swung and missed. But it, he was missing the target. And after the umpire got hit in the face, it was like the next three pitches were like nowhere near the target. But the guy was still swinging and missing. So, yeah, and, and that was pretty early, too. So I, I don't know if maybe he got a little lucky on that one Were the wheels falling off. Was there just miscommunication on where they were trying to go and what they were trying to do? But I did get a little worried watching that, and I was like, uh-oh, this is, you know, kind of how it goes for him. And I, I was a little worried that we were getting to that point. Luckily, he was able to get out of the inning, and those didn't turn into some hard hit balls. The concern is that it's self-inflicted damage. It's these walks,
0: you know. It's it's You're right, he's losing control. On the arm side, the ball's flying out, not near the strike zone. It's not even like an attempt uh, for the hitter to, to think about swinging at some of those pitches. So they just sit back there and park it and then he's walking in runs, you know, got a hit by pitch on one of the batters and, you know, you can't have those self-inflicted things over and over and over again. It just makes it so much harder. And then again, it's two outs and you're just so close to getting out of that inning without it like really devolving and a two out, you know, blast. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is up. Same thing that happened for Ken Waldachuk. You know, he was so close to getting out of that Mm -hmm. and it's a two out grand slam and it's just gone. You know, it just erodes mm-hmm. that quickly. And, and that's one of the things that, you know, he's young, you're going to have to learn how to limit that damage and, you know, live with the fact that yeah, I'm giving up a lot of runs right now. I've got my job is to minimize that, move on, try to get back out for the next inning. Just try to stop this right now rather than let a team hit through the cycle, you know, or go through their whole lineup every single time that you're losing control. I mean, Can't walk three, four guys in an inning and expect to get out
1: of that clean. It's just not going to work. The series with Tampa Bay has just been a little bit of a bummer. Just thinking, yeah, the record is not looking very good at this point. But knowing that you put up a fight with the Guardians and those were some, you know, some games that they could have won. But coming into Tampa Bay and just getting blown out you know uh it's unfortunate you know getting was it five runs in the the friday game you just can't give up that many runs you know so it it, it's a bummer the offense clearly isn't going all the way yet there definitely has been some silver lining with the guardians it kind of seemed like okay we're on the cusp here we're on the cusp and i get it you know it's the first road trip maybe there's uh some things to do with that Against the best team
0: in baseball right now, the team that started the best by far has been the Rays. So that there is a little bit
1: of you're trying to turn the corner and playing the best. You're right. You know? And, you know, the Guardians are a good team and the Angels are a good team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they've been playing some good teams here. I know Randy Rosarino doesn't get the, um, the spotlight that Mike Trout or uh, um, uh, Otani get. And maybe that's because we're on the West Coast but he is just one of the, the star players in the game, you know, and he's just really exciting to watch. Hate that we're not in the World Baseball Classic again. It's just kind of the same as Mike Trout. I loved it when I could just root for all the great players, and and now we're back to when they're doing well, the A's are not doing well. So you're right. It, it's a, just a really good team right now, but Got to find a way to, to limit those home runs and limit those mistakes because there's there's been just too many mistakes. I'm just wondering when that is going to happen because in
0: baseball, things build on themselves. That's what you're talking about from that Guardians game. It looked like they were building better habits in certain areas. The offense was coming around a little bit. You know They were finding themselves some confidence. They weren't quitting on it, and uh, even the game that they lost when they came back, went to extra innings and lost to the Guardians after the Noda homer and the Aguilar homer. You know, that shows that, hey, we're in this. We believe we can come back. We believe we can win. And it's winning is learning. You have to learn how to do it. It's a skill. It doesn't just happen because you're good at hitting or you're good at pitching. You have to learn that those little things are important and to value each at-bat, to value each inning on the mound. And that's part of this process. You know, their best starting pitcher so far this season is a rookie with some major league experience. But Kyle Moeller is looking really good. You know, he's looking like... That's where you're going to start building on watching a guy like Kyle Moeller pitch. Well can start building that the next guy wants to match that and do better. And they've got to learn how to do all of those little things. It's just part of the
1: process. We're going to have to get some more guys going uh, and, and get them going consistently. This is a team that I think we did expect to make some mistakes. We saw last year's team make a lot of mistakes, two outs letting balls drop between third and shortstop. Nobody thought that we were going to come out and, you Know, go fighting for even a wild card spot this year. I was expecting maybe a few more wins in the win column at this point. It's a, it's unfortunate because, like, we were talking about a coin flip and they could have got a few more wins. Do you know what the over and under for this season is for wins? And I, at first, I thought it was way too low, and
0: now I want to know what you think. It was set at 59, and that was uh, less than what they had last year. And at first, I was scoffing at that, being like, man, this team looks so much better than last year's
1: team. How could it be 59? And now, you know, now I'm like I could see it. Yeah, I mean there's definitely some growing pains. The the veterans, uh they they haven't all gotten acclimated, it seems. The rookies have been coming up, you know, some of them unfortunately with maybe expectations that they're they're not maybe able to match. And you know, some of these guys have come up and had a little bit of playing time, but they're still in their rookie year. So I I wonder if mentally they're just kind of in a sophomore slump, even though it's not really their second year. Uh, Hopefully we can get something clicking, you know, and baseball is just such a streaky game, right? And so all all it starts is, you know, with maybe picking up a win on Sunday against the Devil Rays, taking that momentum into your next series, and then uh, you come home to the Mets. So, you know, walk in the park. So (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, We'll have to see, but hopefully we can get some momentum swinging in that way. The the mistakes, though, it's just unfortunate because the mistakes are just, they're coming from the pitching staff, they're coming defensively, and they're also coming from the coaching staff. You know, when you're sending a guy... And you probably shouldn't be sending them. And we've seen that the fleet-footed Jesus Aguilar and even Moriano. And you don't know, right? Because if yeah. Moriano stays on third, maybe there's different pitch selection. But then when he gets thrown out and the next batter gets a base hit, you kind of assume that would have turned into a run, right? So right. I like to say fortune favors the brave. I, I, a lot of times I do, why did you hold him? No, what... You know, and you'd rather see him yeah, yeah, fight yeah. for it and go make that that play at the plate and, and go for it. But that Aguilar one, it was like there, there was no way, no chance. Yeah, he's one of the guys that's kind of come
0: on. I know he's, you know, he's hitting pretty well. We've seen a little bit of that power. We That was one of the best at-bats I've seen in a long time. His at-bat against the Guardians on that day game. You know, he's just fouling off pitches. And I think Ken Korak in the call had a great call of that homer is talking about how it was one of the best bats you're ever going to see. Because, you know, he was fouling it off. He was hanging in there. And you could see that game within the game when they're like, okay, I'm setting up this pitch to do that. And then when it came to trying to execute that, he was like, I'm on it. I'm not going to swing at that.
1: I'm good. You know, I know what I'm doing. And, you know, with the change of rules, with the pitcher not being able to get him out of that zone the way they used to be able to get out of that, right? Like, oh, you know what? I'm going to tie my right shoe right now, and then I'm going to do a pick off to first, and it's going to be a minute and a half between pitches. So that's something that I I think we we got to see a little bit Um Luckily, we got to see that a little bit against the Guardians. We got to see the bats because we've unfortunately been on the receiving end of that too much where pitchers are getting their backs against the walls and they just aren't able to turn that around and just close it down mentally. So uh hopefully that's something that's going to get worked out. I, I don't know if that's like... You know, I know Fuji's first start said it was a sequencing thing. Is what do you think? Are the guys just not on the same page, or is it just like mental? Is it nerves? What What do you think's going on there? It's probably a little bit of both. I mean, he
0: is learning how to do this, and so when things are going bad, it's harder to keep your confidence up. But for him, it definitely seems that there's something, whether it's you know mental focus or some kind of mechanical breakdown. Because this is what we saw from him in spring training. You know, a lot of walks, he limits hits, and he walks a lot of guys. And, you know, during spring, he was able to work around a lot of that. And you'd have these kind of bizarre stat lines where he'd give up like one hit, walk five, strike out four, and have no earned runs. And that's continued in here. But now... Because you're sitting, you're sitting in here against the big leaguers every single outing, there's not like a gap in there where you're going to face a minor leaguer like you would maybe in the spring that can maybe help you out with a weakness in that lineup. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see because some of the mistakes that you're talking about are guys that, you know, the A's trust. Ramon Laureano dropping balls that he normally gets to. And, you know, that's something you don't just look at and be like, oh, they got to play somebody else there. No, that's the guy you want. You know, he gets to the ball. Yeah. Just didn't hang on to it. And so... Some of it is, you know, very simple analysis, which is just play better, you know, play to Mm -hmm. your ability. Uh, But just before we get out of here in the last few minutes, I did want to ask, what are the trends that you are looking for when you see these guys, you're thinking like, all right. This is what I want to watch for the small improvements
1: this week. This is what I'm hoping to see as the A's try and turn a corner. To finish off this Tampa Bay series, I want to see the ball stay in the yard because it has been flying out of there. Unless the A's are a bat. Exactly. Yeah, that that would be good. That would be the other side is I want to see more pop coming from the A's Uh, and just some more consistent hits, you know, with... The batting average, of balls put in play being up through the league. We got to put these balls in play. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. That's one of the things we said earlier is it's consistency. And I know it's kind of early in the year, but that's also why you do spring training to get ready for the year. We can't keep saying it's early, it's early. At some point... We got to come out. We got to get ready, and we got to get up for these games. So that's kind of what I'm hoping to see. What What about you? What What are you looking for? Just adding to what you said, I think Marcotte says he, about 100 at bats is when
0: he starts when he's got to stop thinking that it's early. You know, about 100 at bats. And right now, Seth Brown and Ramon Loriano leading the team. Uh, Seth Brown has 30. Ramon Loriano has 29 at bats. By the way, he struck out 11 times in those 29 at bats. But mm-hmm. There's some of the guys that you've seen before, so you're like, I I know that this guy can be better. And Shea Langoliers is an example of that. Like, I I know that he can be better. He did have a strong spring. I saw what it looks like when he gets hot and he puts it together. It's not there right now, but there's nothing that he's doing that makes me think like, oh, this guy's lost. He can't hang there. So I'm, I'm watching for a guy like Langoliers to really kind of maybe start coming out. He had his first homer in Tampa. And if you start getting those guys, you can line it up where you're getting production from, say, Orion Ryan Noda in there, and then Shea Langoliers, that really starts to bring some depth to your lineup.
1: And that's what I'm hoping to see maybe start to kind of come around a corner a little bit. Last thing I want to say, I know we're kind of getting towards time here, but with this uh, Autism Acceptance Month, uh, I want to give a big shout out to Diaz for bringing uh, awareness to autism and uh, uh, neurodiversity. And I really love what he's doing with the gloves. I think just a great way to use his platform there. That's been a fun thing to see. And uh, hopefully uh, he's one of the guys that we can uh, start getting it going this month and start dropping some bombs on the Devil Rays. Yeah, the A's have an all-time good guy
0: lineup Mm -hmm. between what Diaz Mm -hmm. is doing with the batting gloves and raising awareness and then Tony Kemp, hey, just a generally awesome guy and all the work that he does in the community. So the A's, these players on the field are easy to root for, even though the team might make it a little difficult from time to time, but the players are really fun to root for Rick, hopefully we have more positive stuff to talk about when we get together next week to talk a little A's baseball. I know it hasn't been the best first two weeks of the season. There have been some positives, but hopefully we have some more to build on as the A's can start maybe putting some wins together instead of just winning one out of every three or knock on wood that they could win one of every three. You'll take that in Tampa Bay. This is Winner Hughes. I'm Joe Hughes, my brother, Eric. New podcast out every Monday. Make sure to like and subscribe. And you can find us on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening to the Winter Hughes podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe.